Today on the Italian radio show, we reveal the truth. St. Patrick was really Italian. Plus, Irish food, proverbs, and customs, which all came from Italy. This and more coming right up on West Coast Italian Radio. Hello, folks, and welcome to West Coast Italian Radio, bringing you the Italian radio show. I'm your host, Tony Lestola, with a lovely co-host from Italy herself, none other but our very own Marzia Caputo. Ciao a tutti. Ciao, Tony. So, so Marzia, here we are. It's St. Patrick's Week. No. You know, this is going to be like, you know, a very, very special show because, of course, the whole theme of today's show is the mm-hmm. fact that St. Patrick was really Italian. And we're going to get much more into that as we go along here. But, folks, you are listening to our show today on KKNW 1150 AM in the greater Puget Sound area. And uh, you can hear us also online by going directly to our website, WCIR.biz. Just remember the acronym for West Coast Italian Radio. WCIR.biz and click on the link at the top of the page. You can stream today's show live anywhere in the world. Uh, or you can listen to us all week long by going there because uh, the show will be in our archives tonight and then it will be continuing with all of our other shows of the last six years in our archives. So those are always available 24-7 for you to listen to. Um, Marcia, I got to tell one more thing is that is if people want to be a part of today's show, they can call us directly on our call in line at 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527. So here we go. You know, uh, before we get into our first segment of news, uh, what's new in your life, Marcia, this week? Something exciting? Well, again, it's nice. Look at the sun. That's all what I need. And did you see my background, what I did? I know. You saw it in me. We saw it. Now, folks, for those of you who are listening to us on the radio, I normally get this view of Marcia's very messy bedroom. I mean, you know, clothes oh. all over, blankets thrown up. I mean, she's Italian. What can I tell you? So today, to hide all of this stuff, she has this beautiful image behind her of Italy that somehow, whether she's technically done And we'll have to find this out because, of course, we're going to start uh, airing our show on television as well uh, after the uh, April 1st. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the program. But, Marci, I think we need to get right into this yes. our Italian news segment, right? Well, when I hear Italian. it, when you find it, the International Meatball. Tell me about it. International Meatball Day. So, you know, this, it was easy this year. It was easy. March 9th, uh-huh. which is my mother's birthday, March 9th was International Meatball Day in 2021. Um, so, you know, we thought it'd be appropriate since meatballs are frequently so associated with Italian food, okay? Now, of course, meatballs can be found in almost any culture throughout the world, uh, but there's kind of a special stereotypical way that they're connected to Italians. Although, you know, as we mentioned in the, in the past, dishes like spaghetti and meatballs Right. It's actually an Italian-American dish versus being a dish from Italy, okay? So first of all, Marcia, I bet you'd like me to give you a little history on meatballs. All right. All right. I knew you would want to hear this, okay? <laughs> so, you know, meatballs go back as far as, uh, you know, ancient Rome and China. Now, there's a dispute about which one created first. Chinese uh, have them coming out as early as 221 B.C., 
Although ancient Rome also has a claim that their meatballs came out around this time. So they're kind of neck and neck trying to figure out, you know, the first documented meatball. But needless to say, over the centuries, they were a staple part of the Persian culture uh, and the cuisine there. And also, of course, popular across Middle East, India, Asia, other parts of the world. In Europe, we all know about Swedish meatballs. Uh, and there's meatballs in other places that do not in any way resemble Italian meatballs, but they have their own kind of cultural uh, flair on those, okay? Eventually, of course, the meatball made its way to America, where they came up with new and innovative ways to uh, consume them. Dishes like spaghetti and meatballs, or like the meatball sandwich, which, of course, we all know as the sub, all right? So now I'll bet you want me to tell you a great Meatball story of okay. 2021. I mean, since we are celebrating, you know, Meatball Day, you know, International Meatball Day, let's talk about a story that got our attention here for 2021. All right? Right. You've all heard the excuse, the dog ate my homework, right? Now, here's a new one. Uh-oh. A college student at the University of Georgia failed her economy exam because of a meatball. No. So here's what happened. She said she was taking the test online with her laptop while eating a meatball sub. And sadly, one of those spicy meatballs fell out of the bun onto her keyboard and logged her out of the exam prematurely. Sadly, <laughs> she couldn't log back into the, the, uh, the exam, so she couldn't complete the test, and she failed. And she got a failing grade. Oh, Thankfully, her professor, thankfully, though, there's a happy ending here. Thankfully, her professor thought the story was so unbelievable that he actually did believe it and allowed her to retake the test. And there you go, folks, how Meatball saved the day. That's our Meatball story for 2021. Would you like to add something to that? I like I like that. That was really funny, by the way. I'm curious because even the Chinese, you say they were they don't know if it was the first one or the Italian. Same right. thing with Chinese with the pasta. If you think about it, because they're talking about the Chinese were first to invent the pasta, the Italian. You know what I mean? They're falling us. That's what I'm thinking about it. I don't know. We, or, or we're falling them, but who cares? We <laughs> like both cuisines, so there you go. Okay. By the way, happy belated birthday to your mom. I want to make sure. Well, thank you very much, and she'll appreciate that uh, very much as well. So it's important to mention that. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So now, you know, we're going to, of course, this week's show is all going to be about St. Patrick's Day. And unfortunately, what kind of gets lost, because it comes right around the same time as St. Patrick's every year, is St. Joseph's Day. So the question is, whatever happened to St. Joseph's Day, and why is it starting to become such a... Uh, a, a holiday with decreasing popularity around the world. Okay, mm-hmm. so of course devotion to Saint Joseph, you know, started with the early Christians because this was a you know an honoring the earthly father of Jesus. Okay, and right. only this, over the centuries it was celebrated on various days uh, by the Catholic Church, but they finally set a date in the 15th century that it was going to be March 19th to commemorate the day that Saint Joseph died. Although there's actually no record that he, you know, died on that date, okay? Right. So the date is observed by Italians all over the world, uh, but, you know, they found that, you know, as time goes on, there's been a huge decline in its celebration. 
So, you know, we're looking into this. Why did it decline, okay? Well, the most obvious reason, of course, is the growing movement against organized religion in our modern society, especially among young people, right? Mm-hmm. Added to this issue, you got the challenge of, you know, the, the younger Italians are not really getting involved in their generation, okay? This is a real thing we see all the time. You know, yeah. when you go to Italian festivals, the crowds there are older. They're always complaining about not being able to get enough young people come out, okay? Last but not least, remember, St. Joseph's Day is celebrated on March 19th, just two days every year after March 17th, where you got St. Patrick's Day. No, St. Patrick's Day, you got drinking, you got partying, you got indulgence of every type, you know, that's commercialized around the globe. So by comparison, I guess, it makes St. Joseph look like he's kind of a boring, dull guy, you know? So, yes, remember, March 19th is Father's Day in Italy. There you go. And that probably ties into it because, you know, it's the Feast of the Father, Father right. of Jesus, right? Yep. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit what Italians do. If they, you know, those who still uh, celebrate uh, La Festa di San Giuseppe or the Feast of St. Joseph. And this right. is true, especially with Sicilians. The big deal with Sicilians, okay? Uh, there's a number of traditions they follow, mostly, of course, around food, as would be the case if you're Italian, okay? So on the days leading up to the feast, you set a table up in your house with a statue of St. Joseph, and then over the course of the week, you know, gifts of food are left on the table until, of course, you come to the feast day, March 19th, where everybody, your friends, your family gather around, you eat all the food, you eat all the gifts, right? So that's kind of a cool thing that they do. Another thing, interestingly, is fava beans are especially sacred you know, in celebrating St. Joseph's Day because they represent the crops that were saved in Sicily due to divine intervention by St. Joseph. In fact, many Italians to this day believe that these beans bring them good luck, so they'll actually take a dried fava bean from the Feast of St. Joseph and they carry it around all year round in their wallet, believe it's going to bring them good luck. Uh, even young women there believe that they carry the bean around in their purse for the year, it's going to get them a husband. So, you know, go figure, <laughs> yeah. you know. But whether or not you believe in these rituals, I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful reason to celebrate being Italian, don't you think? I think so. And like I say, St. Joseph, we don't hear too much, which is it's nice to eat once a year and celebrate perfect time for Father's Day. I think it's great. And like you say, it's so, I never thought about it. The 17 is, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, two days after St. Joseph. Now it's like, wow, it's really connect together. Look at that. Oh, yeah, you know, and, and I think, again, that's probably one of the reasons, I mean, for the declining in the popularity. Right. They got this date just on the other side of this date where you could, everybody's drinking and partying and saying, I mean, for one thing, they're going to be tired when you get to the 19th, okay? But we'll talk more about that because we got a lot of more stuff coming up here about, you know, St. Patrick really being Italian and all the stuff we're going to talk about that right after this break. Folks, don't go away. We'll be right back after the short word from our sponsors with much more Italian radio. Uh-huh. 
Hi, I'm Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. The owner of a local liquor store told me to forget the flavors, so I make only vodka-flavored vodka, smooth and gluten-free. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80-proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hello, folks, and we are back with more West Coast Italian Radio, bringing you the Italian Radio Show. And, you know, now it's time for my favorite segment, of course, being Italian. I love to eat. Marcia, she loves to eat. She loves to cook. Um... We have our food and our wine segment that we're going to do right now. Brought to you, of course, by our great sponsor, Tito's Handmade Vodka out of Austin, Texas. Tito's does so many wonderful things to help different charities across the country, ranging from veterans to animals. Uh, they do a lot for the Italian people up here. We really love having Tito's as part of our show and, uh, folks, next time you, you have a party or a special event, make sure you include Tito's. So, you know, in keeping with our theme today about St. Patrick being actually Italian, okay, uh, and we're going to talk more about that, of course, here in a few minutes when we get to our guest segment, um, we wanted to find a dish that kind of was a good crossover dish. Right. So we figured the perfect dish to talk about was gnocchi. Why gnocchi? Okay, because gnocchi, of course, is the pasta from Italy that's made with potatoes. It's like the potato dumpling pasta, right? Combined together with Irish. Huh. Yeah, and of course, the, in Ireland, I mean, potatoes, that's like the staple of their whole food system there. I mean, the, the, the whole country practically died when they had the potato famine back <laughs> a century ago, whenever it was, right? So everything they do there is about potatoes, right? Now, right. the interesting thing that we found out here that I, you know, when, when, when we make gnocchi, of course you make it various ways, but I know a very popular way that Italians make gnocchi is, you know, with pesto sauce. So we make, you know, so it's the gnocchi with a green sauce, right? Right. And you would think that this would be an Irish thing. But no, no. The Irish people, they gotta put, they, they put fava beans, they put kidney beans, they put all these different types of beans in it. Uh-huh. There's no sauce at all. The thing looks like it's a bean salad. Okay. Huh. So you wonder, I mean, why they don't do the, the green thing. Anyway, so let's talk about, you know, now since it's an Italian Irish show, this is called gnocchi with roasted vegetables. Okay. So obviously, uh, you're going to start out with uh, getting some good, uh, you know, some good potato gnocchi. 
There's many, many good brands you can get out there. You know, try to get something as authentic as you can. Get in, use a, a yellow medium bell pepper, an orange medium bell pepper, uh, the, a pint of uh, grape or cherry tomatoes, okay, about 10 ounces, a small red onion, four cloves of garlic smashed, uh, and one teaspoon coarsely chopped rosemary leaves, mm-hmm. half a teaspoon of kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper, two tablespoons olive oil, two tablespoons of coarsely chopped fresh basil leaves, and half a cup crum- uh, crumbled feta cheese. You know, you're going to be divided up, okay? Okay. Okay. First of all, you preheat your oven to 450, okay? And you're going to have a baking pan there all ready to go, okay? You got to cut the peppers and the onions into one-inch chunks. Uh, Place them, you know, the peppers, the onions, uh, and so forth in a large bowl along with your garlic, your rosemary, your salt, um, your tomatoes, the whole thing. Drizzle the olive oil over it and you toss it. What did I tell you? Toss it almost like a salad. You kidding me? Come on. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Then, uh, you're going to add the olive oil to your veggies and your gnocchi. Toss it all together and coat everything with your oil. Okay. Then you're going to spread this gnocchi olive oil mixture that you just, you know, you just toss. It's all coated, uh, onto your into your pan, across the bottom of your baking pan, okay? You roast, uh, the dinner, this, 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 the uh, yolky dinner. You roast it for 10 minutes, uh, stirring it, uh, and then yolky in the vegetables, uh, as you roast it. So I guess you're not, you, you know, you, it, it, um, I can't figure out here if you put it in the oven. It looks like you're putting it like in the thing and you're, you're, you're turning and you're roasting it. Um, this is, it looks like the the gnocchi they all cooking together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It looks like you're you're you roast the dinner in the middle of the yeah. So you roast it in the pan for ten minutes basically. Take, okay. take it in the pan, spread it out, put it in the oven for ten minutes, and then it says after the ten minutes you take it out of the oven, you stir it uh, up again to make sure that the vegetables are all caramelized in the tender. Cook it for about another ten minutes in the oven. Uh, transfer it to a large serving bowl. You sprinkle the uh, feta cheese and the basil over the top. And then you go, you serve it with vegetables and the remaining, you know, stuff. And like I said, when you look at it, the pictures of it here that we're looking at, it actually looks like it's a, like a bean salad, you know, with some feta right. cheese on top of it with different colored, uh, feta beans, of course, different bell peppers and stuff. So, and I know the Irish are big about this stuff. I mean, God help you. If you go to anywhere in the United Kingdom, I don't mean to offend anybody, but you ask for anything that has any type of seasoning or spice in it whatsoever, they got nothing for you. It's hard even to find salt and pepper there. But, I mean, it sounds like it's something that, uh, you know, is a tradition that ties in the Irish with the Italians again, uh, showing, you know, how the cultures uh, are very close. And there you go, your food segment that we are doing for you. Right there, uh, brought to you by Tito's Vodka. All right, Marty. Well, now it's time for our Artist of the Week. And I know you have a very, very special Artist of the Week segment that you've put together for us this week. Thank and you. it's all about the San Remo Festival, right? Thank you. Well done. Yes, it is. Like every year, we do San Remo. I love how many years has San Remo been going on? 71. 71 years. Wow. The only thing to change this year usually is on February. 
This time is in March. It just finished around the 5th or the 6th of March. It was the gotcha, last day. Gotcha. So because for COVID, the last yeah, yeah. year they got sick. So they were having COVID. So they have to stop everything, start all over. So it was a little bit crazy. Well, interesting. What a lot of people don't realize is this is one of the biggest music festivals in the world. I mean, it's been, like you say, 71 years, but there's so many great songs, songs that have been even done in this country and in, in the USA in English right. over the years that originally started in Italian from the San Remo Festival. I mean, songs like, uh, Quando mi namoro, only, uh, alone is a man without love, uh, quando, 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 uh, right. just different things like that. So this year we are going to talk about our top three winners. Right. We're going to start with our third place winner and work our way down. So give us the name of the third okay. place winner. Herman Meta. And he sings the song, Herman Meta. Herman Meta, okay. And the song is? Un milione di cose da dirti. Which translated means what? I have a thousand things to tell you. I have a thousand things to tell you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it looks like this guy has been around since, uh, ni- he was born in 1981. So he's been out there for a little while. He's, he actually won the San Remo Festival right. a couple of years ago. That's so, right. uh, let's take a listen to our third place winner song, Un Milione di Cosa da Dirti by Ermal Meta. Wow, what a great voice that guy has. Ermal Meta, wonderful, wonderful singing voice. Um, and it looks like he has had, he's having quite a career now. I mean, um, I'm reading these different things about him here. It looks like he's around 40 years old, but he's having a very, very outstanding career as a, as a singer and an artist, uh, in, uh, in Italy. Now, right. who's in the, who, so now we're moving on to our second place winner. Give us the name of the second place winner. There are two, okay? One okay. is Michelin, that I want to make sure people know, is from my, Vicenza, from my town, okay? Okay, Francesca Michelin, yeah. okay. And they sing together with Fedez. Fedez is a Federico Leonardo Lucia. It's a famous rapper in Italy, really okay, famous. Okay, so it's a rapper, and then there's an artist from your town, Fed. So you're in a duet. What's the name of the song? Chiamami per nome. Which means? Call me for, for by my name. Call me by my name. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Francesca Michelin and Fidesz. Well, that was really cool. It's kind of, I, I love the way that they mix the two styles and they do it so well with the, you know, the melodic singing and melody with the rap. And it's kind of a different type of rap than you would hear here in America, isn't it? Right, it is. It's a little more soft, like a more singing at the same time. Yeah, it's almost like a dramatic thing, uh, going on there, you know, like, uh, it just is, it's, it's very cool. But a little bit different is this. Remember, Sanremo used to be for classic music. So he's changing a lot, Sanremo, if you're listening now. We have rap, we have heavy metal kind of music rock. So he's changing a lot. That's cool. It's very cool. All right. And this gets us down to our first place winner of the 2021 Sanremo Festival. Uh, and tell us what the, the name of this, this artist is. The group name is Maneskin. It's a Danish name. It's meaning. Maneskin. Okay. Because and one of the group, she's Danish. Because they're like a, it's a band. So they are. So they're, they're Danish. 
Yeah, you, you obviously have Damiano a, uh, David. One is standard. So let me explain. Damiano David is the vocal, and he's uh, from Rome. The one who played the bassist, the guitar, Victoria D'Angelis, he's Danish. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And then and we have Maggi and Ethan Tokio. So the four in the group of this, uh. All right. And what's the name of the song they're doing? Okay. Zitti e Buoni. Which is? How we sing it is more like, shut up and be good. <laughs> shut up and be good. Okay. Or I guess I would say a little quiet, you know. Listen to this song. This is our and first place winner. Here you go. Um, the group Maniskin, Zitti e Buoni, the song. First place winner. 2021 Sam Remo Festival. Let's roll it. Hi, I'm Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. When I got into this business, I used to make flavored vodka infusions for my friends as gifts. When I started to make a go of it, the owner of a local liquor store showed me the dust on some flavored vodka bottles that sat on the shelves. He said, if you can make a straight vodka so smooth that you could drink it just by itself, then you'd really have something. So I did. And now all these years later, we still only make one flavor, vodka flavored vodka. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Pacific Food Importers has been distributing Mediterranean food products in the greater Seattle area since 1971. Beginning as an olive import company, PFI has evolved into a well-known wholesale food distributor in the Pacific Northwest, servicing restaurants, grocers, manufacturers, and caterers. Family-owned and operated, PFI stocks a wide variety of cured meats, specialty cheeses from around the world, and a vast range of Mediterranean products. PFI's service area includes the greater Puget Sound region and Portland, Oregon. Situated in North Kent, PFI has a central location allowing for efficient service and delivery, as well as convenient will-call pickups for established customers in Seattle. Pacific Food Importers Incorporated is committed to providing quality products at competitive prices to the food service industry of the Pacific Northwest. Visit PacificFoodImporters.com for more information or to contact us. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. And we are back, folks, with more West Coast Italian Radio. This is your host, Tony Lastella, with the Italian Radio Show. You know, now, of course, I thought it would be kind of fun for our guest segment, since our whole theme of today's show is St. Patrick being really Italian, you know, that we had to have somebody here who could kind of speak for both nationalities, the Irish and the Italian. So who could I better find than my dear friend, Dennis Calderoda, who is basically half Italian and he's half Irish. Dennis, welcome to West Coast Italian Radio. Salancha, buongiorno. That, and all of the above, you know. <laughs> so now the question is, you know, I know the the Irish drink a green beer. Do the Italians ever drink green wine? I don't know, you know. Never. But in Ireland, the Irish do not drink green beer. That is purely an American uh, invention. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is like many other, you know. Well, so to begin with, the uh-huh. number one thing, of course, that we um, 
that when we did our research on this, we realized that St. Patrick was technically not even Irish. I mean, both of his parents were from Rome. They were Italians. That's correct, yes. Though he was born, supposedly, in Britain, B-R-E-T-O-N. Yes, right. Which was, was really Scotland at the time, or what we call Scotland now. It, at the time, it was uh, part of the Britain owned by the Romans. So That's right, that's right. And his real name was not Patrick. What was his real name? His real name, I've got to actually look at this, it was Maywin Sukkot. Maywin Sukkot. Okay. That's so, what he is listed as his birth name. All right, Maywin Sukkot. So, I mean, uh, you know, how, where did he get Patrick? I mean, where did that come from, St. Patrick? That I don't know. What I want to know is how he got Maywin, which is definitely a Gaelic name. That is a Gaelic so, name. So his Roman name must have been something, you know, Sukatus. Who, you know, who knows? Well, his uh, parents' names no were Calper- Calpurnius and Quincessa were his parents. Yeah, his father was a tax collector. So there you go, you know. Um, and they were both Rome. They were living on a British estate. So technically his DNA was 100% Italian. I'm not right. sure where he got the Mawan Sukkot from. I can just tell you that it wouldn't be any fun to celebrate St. Malin Sakat's Day to drink beer. I mean, you know, St. Patrick's Day sounds a lot better, you know? It does. It does. So now the interesting thing is, uh, let's, let's talk about this because, you know, uh, not to take away from him or anything, but what did St. Patrick actually do that made him so famous, you know, with the, especially, especially well, with the Irish? Well, the, the, the first thing he did, and this is part of the, not only part of the legend, but is historically provable, is yeah. he basically converted all of Ireland to Christianity. That's true. You I know, have read When that. he was a young kid, he got kidnapped by Irish pirates um, who took him to, oh, that's right, Ireland from Breton, remember? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was there for two years sitting on a hilltop guarding sheep uh, with nothing to eat and finally figured out he could walk to, uh, you know, the coast somewhere about 200 miles across peat bogs. And uh, and this is all pretty accepted. As, yeah, yeah, as I, I, I've read that. Yeah, and uh, so he walked uh, to the, uh, I guess it would be the eastern coast of Ireland, and somebody felt sorry for him and, and hauled him back to Britain. Um, now, during the course of all of this, uh, he... What he himself was converted to Christianity. And, and frankly, I'm a little vague on that. If it happened after it got to Britain or, uh, before, uh, he got in with this crew, because at some point they got into some difficulty with the ship. Yeah. And they asked him to pray for them. So it, it sounds like he was converted at an early age. I don't know. Well, I do know that, that after he escaped the pirates, he did go back to Rome. Ah, okay. Or he studied, you know, he studied the priesthood in Rome. That and, makes I, I, and I'm actually reading here. Sure. It says that he changed his, when, when, he, when he became ordained a priest, he changed his name to Patricius, or, you know, the, 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 that's the Italian or the Roman, or the, the Latin rather, which right. of course translates in English to Patrick, which right. is the Latin term for father figure. Okay. Oh, I and like so that. that's uh, where that comes from, why he had become um, where the Patrick comes from. Got it. Now, the one thing that I that I do know the story that, had, that has been uh-huh. that has been refuted 
is that, uh, you know, the, the one big miracle, of course, that they have, they attributed to him was he went up to the top of some tall mountain that was, uh, or, or I guess a tall cliff that was overlooking the sea. And he held up his staff, you know, like Moses kind of ordered all the serpents in the land to come to him. And then he ordered them to go over the cliff and drown so that there basically would be no more snakes anywhere in Ireland. In, in Ireland. Okay. Um, this, of course, in recent years, by a lot of the scientists now who study this, uh, said that that could not have possibly been true because there have been no snakes in Ireland for over 10,000 years on account of different things with climate and conditions being too cold there for them. Yeah, to it's too survive. cold and wet. Yeah. It's, so, <laughs> so that is a myth. We, so I, that is a myth. And, he, but, and, and the interesting thing is because that is a myth, mm-hmm. Patrick was never actually canonized a saint by the church. Right. Okay. I mean, you know, uh, of course, the, the Irish all think of him as a saint, and they're not taken away from the fact that the Catholic Church acknowledges he was a very, very devout man. Like you say, they He's acknowledged with with the converting the right, Irish exactly, people. Exactly, exactly. But, but none based, of his miracles were ever proved. No, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, for that reason, he's kind of he's kind of over there where we parked Saint Christopher. Uh, a little Saint, bit, Saint yeah. Of yeah. Travels, uh, travelers. He is respected as a holy person, but in all technicality, you can't pray to him right, because he right. is not a canonized saint. And the other thing is that there had been some things a while back about him being martyred, okay, when they were trying to get him in to be a saint through his being martyred. But again, in recent years, they found out the various manuscripts. He actually lived to be over a hundred years old and reportedly was in good health right up to the day he died. You know? Right. Um, and in fact, I think that's in his, his biography. I think that's his autobiography. I think he himself claimed to be a hundred years old. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the fact that here we have this guy that, that, that they know actually existed who was, Celebrated as a holy man, you know, by the right. church there and, right. and in Ireland. And, but you wonder then how that got turned into heavy drinking every, you know, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't exist. Like we talked about earlier in the program, St. Joseph, who is a legitimate saint who comes right. a couple days later is overshadowed by all the debauchery that we do with, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Except Tony, you're, 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 you're confusing Ireland with Irish Americans in America. America. That's probably true. And, and, you know, it's kind of like chow mein and the, and the poor Chinese, you know, chow mein was invented in, in San Francisco. Uh, so here's the story on, on the parades and the mayor's speeches and all yeah. of that stuff. Um, in Ireland up until very recently, uh, and I, I, this was told to me by the mayor of Donegal, okay? okay who okay. comes, who came over here every year for St. Patrick's Day for many years and would appear at the parade and the luncheon and all the activities that the Irish Heritage Club puts on, which I attend. Right. Um, right. I'm half Irish. Exactly. So, um, he told me that it was only within the last 20, 30 years that the Irish, having seen what goes on over here on television, began to actually start going out and and uh, and parading around and wearing green and drinking. Well, they don't drink green beer, but drinking <laughs> right, lots right. Yeah. of beer. 
uh, Guinness actually is a lots of probably lots of Irish whiskey. I'm imagining. I'm sure they drink a lot of Irish. Still do, but uh, it's it was an American invention that uh, somehow got taken back to Ireland with uh, kind of the the baby boomer generation after the war. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Although but, one I, one of the uh, one of the the legends about St. Patrick's Day that I had read, I don't know if this is true or not. You know, St. Patrick's Day, of course, every year falls right in the middle of Lent. Okay? Right. Yeah. And so because he was such a popular, you know, saint or you know, a holy figure, the Irish, of course, consider him a saint there in Ireland, that and they, they decided on that one day in the middle of Lent that they would basically temporarily, temporarily remove the restrictions that they would have on alcohol and drinking for and eating in excess for that one day. So sure. of course, over the centuries, it had become the day where you know the you you have that one little break in the middle of of Lent, you run right. out, you you know drink and eat as heavily as you can. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. um, but of course, we all know the Irish need no excuse to drink heavily. You know. <laughs> That's true. Yes. In fact, uh, my sister sent me a card yesterday that said two Irishmen walked out of a bar. And when you open it up, it said it can happen once in a while. <laughs> That's very good. Okay, so now I have to ask you a personal question. Yeah. Being that you are half Italian, half yes. Irish. I mean, so what impact? I mean, you know, I'm thinking of myself when I was a kid. You know, I I grew up back east uh, in the New York area before we moved to Washington. And I remember that all of the Italian kids back there wanted to marry Irish girls. So, you know, they, they, we loved the girls with the red hair. We thought they were hot and everything, you right, know. Right. Uh, but I can only imagine that growing up in a household where you had half Irish, half Italian, there might be some real passion going on at times in one way or the other, you know? I suppose. But what the Irish girls, again, we're talking about America, okay? Yeah, yeah. But the Irish girls in Boston and New Jersey and New York and whatever – liked about Italian men was that they were a Catholic, right? Uh, usually devout. Again, we're talking a few generations back. Uh, secondly, they all worked hard and had good jobs. They were ambitious. Thirdly, and most important, they were family men. Right. Right. And yeah, yeah. finally, and this was told to me by my Irish mother, speaking about her father who died of cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 46 the Irish girls wanted a man who was sober. I mean, was, yeah, was, yeah, was yeah. a non-drinker. Not a non-drinker. Italians drink wine like crazy. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. but, yeah, the whole, um, you know, Angela's Ashes story, uh, which everybody on earth should read, um, it wasn't repeated in an, in a household where the dad was Italian and the mom was Irish. Um, gotcha, gotcha, was, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, so, isn't it, that in the backgrounds of these two cultures i mean technically when uh you know back around the uh, 100 years ago they were fighting a lot you know when they you know kind, kind of fighting for power uh here in america and right. then they wound up becoming like you know booze and buddies best of friends intermarrying yeah, back and en- forth you know not entirely i mean it, it the italians got here too late to become the policemen and the judges and the senators. Yeah, yeah. And so Irish, especially, again, we're talking the East Coast major cities, Tammany Hall in New York City, you know, they have the city locked down. Uh, and the only value to them, these poor Italian immigrants, were they, that they could buy their votes. 
Um, yeah, right. They can right. line them up at the polls and pay them money to vote for the uh, for the Irish candidate. Folks, we'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsor. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In the mid-90s, I bought a piece of land in Austin with a credit card check and built the very first micro distillery in the history of the state of Texas. I'd never built a still before, so I did some research and designed and built my own pot stills based on Prohibition-era bust photos I found in the library. I didn't know then that this was kind of the start of the American craft distilling movement right here in Austin, Texas. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. we got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast is Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, folks, we are back with more West Coast Italian Radio. This is Tony Listell, and I got my dear friend Dennis Calderoli here today. We've been talking about St. Patrick, uh, who is really Italian, and kind of, you know, talking about a lot of the myths that surround him, as well as some of the uh, real things about him. But now we're going to kind of tie that in with our event calendar. This coming Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, uh, Mondo Chinos is hosting a special Italian-Irish meal with wine, with music provided by yours truly. And the, the theme of it is St. Patrick. was well, really Italian, okay? Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to have our homemade gnocchi. we got some great wine to go with it. I'm going to be there doing some Irish and Italian songs. It's going to be a blast, folks, but we do have limited seating. So uh, tickets are going quick. Call if you'd like to get in on this. 425-270-3677. 425-270-3677. And now, Dennis, you got a great event for us. Well, I have a great event on the patron saint of Italy, specifically Sicily, but also several other regions, St. Joseph. St. Joseph, yeah. So we're right, going to have right. one of our very rare but very famous rounds of Bingo Italiano at 7 o'clock Friday, March 19th, St. Joseph's Day. There you go. That's this coming Friday. All you got to do to buy a couple of bingo cards is go to festaseattle.com. You'll see buy your bingo cards here. Just click on that button, and it will uh, come down to you. Now, our hosts that evening are going to be me. Tony, of course, is going to be there as well as uh, also Marcia. Marcia will be there. Let's go to Tide Radio. Yep. And... Um, uh, our evening is going to have four rounds of bingo, uh, two regular rounds, one four corners, and one blackout. There'll be a ten-minute break between each round to reset your cards, uh, grab a drink, enjoy the entertainment, specifically Lenny Luzzi and Tony Lastella. We'll have a lot of fun. Lenny's such a great artist, you know. And uh, here and we got great here. prizes. We got great, great prizes. Tell you, you have ten seconds. Tell them about the prizes. We've got. Isernio Sausage, a lifetime supply practically. $75 gift certificate to Big John's PFI, a gift basket of Limoncello and Tito's products, um, a $100 gift certificate to Tuttabella Pizzeria, and the grand prize of the drawing, not a bingo game, the drawing, 
is dinner for two at Montauk Chino in, in, in Issaquah. So there you go. All right, folks, make sure you go to Festa, Seattle Festas. No, no. Festa, Festa Seattle. FestaSeattle.com. Get your tickets. We have a blast doing this, and it's going to be a great time for all. Well, right now, Marcia, you know, it's time for us to do our Italian phrases. And, of course, you know, keeping with our theme of the of today's show, which is, you know, of course, uh, St. Patrick was really Italian because, you know, we got St. Patrick's Day coming up in a couple of days this week. Um, you got this great, this great Irish proverb. Right. That actually, actually, originally was an Italian proverb. <laughs> the Irish stole it from the Italians, all right? So we're going to give it to you uh, first um, in Italian, and okay. then it will show you what, what the, the Irish just took the Italian, they turned it around, made their own thing. But let's do it for the people first in Italian, the whole thing all the way through. Okay. Ci sono solo due cose di cui ti devi preoccupare. O stai bene o stai male. Se stai bene, non ti devi preoccupare. Ma se stai male, ci sono solo due cose di cui ti devi preoccupare. O guarisci o muori. Se guarisci, non ti devi preoccupare. Ma se muori, ci sono solo due cose di cui ti devi preoccupare. O vai in paradiso o vai all'inferno. Se vai in paradiso, non devi preoccupare. Ma se vai all'inferno, ti ritrovi tanto presa a salutare gli amici che non hai nemmeno il tempo di preoccuparti. Non ti preoccupare. All right, so remember, folks. Originally, this was an Italian proverb that the Irish stole from us. They made it an Irish proverb. Here's how it goes in English. There are only two things you need to worry about. Either you're fine or you're sick. If you're okay, you don't have to worry. But if you feel bad, there are only two things you got to worry about. Either you get well or you die. If you heal, you don't have to worry about nothing. But if you die, there are only two things you got to worry about. Either you're going to go to heaven or go to hell. If you go to heaven, you don't got to worry. If you go to hell, you're going to be so busy shaking hands with all your friends, you don't have to worry. You have no time to worry. Don't worry. I love how you it's say pretty it. Good one. I've actually heard that one before. That's, that's a great one. I like well, it. Thank you so much for putting it together and sharing for us uh we only have a couple more minutes here, um, and that was your Italian phrases of the day, brought right. to us by our lovely Marzia Caputo, our great uh, host here of the show. Uh, Marzia and I are going to be, of course, want to remind everybody, we're going to be launching our after-hours show in Italian. What do we call this, Marzia? Lucerosa. Lucerosa, or the Italian radio after hours, going to be for 18 years of age and older, available only on the Internet, uh, where you can um, subscribe to it. Uh, we have information. It's a great, great show. It's going to be a 20-minute weekly show, going to be televised, so you see, get to see your two beautiful-looking hosts here, you know, <laughs> uh, wherever we're at in the world, around the world, around the country, in Italy, whatever. We do it live for you every week. And make sure you have a drink with you. That's exactly. What you Having a drink with you every week, as as we should, okay? And, uh, you know, we're basically going to talk about the same topics we talk about, but let's just say we're going to be a bit more graphic 
and how we talk about them and what we present about them. No holes are going to be barred. No language is going to be barred. Nah, it's not going to be an X-rated show. Grow up, okay? But it's going to be a show that's going to be a lot of fun, kind of like Howard Stern comes to the Italian radio, which is obviously why it's going to be on the Internet only uh, for 18 years over and only. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun for us to do. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be coming out in April. Okay, we've been talking, I know about it for a while, but it's actually coming out. And again, let's not forget to remind people that as of April 1st, the Italian radio is going to be moving to ABC. We are going to be on the ABC Talk Radio out of Palm Springs. That's going to be our new flagship station. Uh, we're going to be syndicating across the country. Goal is to get it out in the next few few years to about uh, 200 stations across the USA. But our new flagship will be with the ABC News and Talk Radio out of Palm Springs. We'll tell you more about that as we get close to the date. And, of course, yes, you'll still always be able to hear us uh, in the Puget Sound area where we started. We're always going to have a show broadcasting here uh, as well. And, of course, always online by going to WCIR.biz. Uh, you can get us 24-7 there, any of our shows uh, this week or any past shows. So what do you think about all this stuff, Marcia? Are you excited? I mean, I am excited. I can't wait, especially because I think we have a lot of meeting to go there. So I've been prepared with a luggage and go to Palm Springs. Anytime I know, we're going to go to Palm Springs where it's like, you know, it's like 85 degrees year round. You cannot put uh-huh. I'm, all thing I'm going to bring is like a change of clothes on my golf clubs. That's about it, you know? That's right. That's right. I'm with you. Not with the golf. No, I don't bring those. <laughs> well, folks, we, we're going to leave you today since this is, we, we've been talking about, uh, among other things on the show, the San Remo Music Festival. Uh, you know, we're going to actually play for you our entire theme song as our song of the week. This is a song that was recorded by myself, Tony Lestella, and Loki, a great rapper from New York City, about, uh, geez, going back, it's been almost 20 years we've done this. We were working on some stuff for the Sopranos TV series back then, and uh, we got involved with some people from The Godfather. We came up with this really cool way, a whole new way of doing the theme of The Godfather, where, like in San Remo, we've combined a bunch of styles, opera, rock, so forth, and this is going to be our, our, our song of the week, which will be our closing song today. We want to thank all of you for listening. God bless you all. We wish you all a great week, and we'll be back next week right here with a brand new show. Ciao a tutti. I want you should send him a message.